Welcome to Cancer Docs Talk, a bi-weekly podcast where oncologists discuss the latest cancer news, produced by Sylvester Comprehensive Cancer Center at the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine. Our host is Dr. Gilberto Lopes, a recognized leader and director of global oncology at Sylvester, and a renowned medical oncologist specializing in lung cancer. Welcome to Cancer Docs Talk from Sylvester Comprehensive Cancer Center. This is Gilberto Lopes. Uh, recently, I had the pleasure to invite Dr. Don Dizon, Associate Professor at Brown University Albert Medical School, to come to Sylvester and to speak to our physicians at a hematology and college educational conference on social media beyond borders, how the collaboration for social media can help us treat our patients. Uh, Dr. Dizon, during this visit, sat down with our communications director for our podcast. I'm curious, have you been on Twitter today? What's what's trending in the <laughs> oncology world? I have been on Twitter on Twitter today, but it's mostly to see what's being retweeted. Your folks have been very active on Twitter since this morning. So Dr. Trent, Dr. Wiley, Dr. Lopez have already been on there. So for the most part though, I usually go when I have a free minute um, uh, to sort of catch up on the news and catch up on some streams. I am following or I want to go back and look at what was discussed on two community tweet chat. So the breast cancer social media tweet chat happened on Monday and the lung cancer social media tweet chat happened yesterday. And those are filling up my Twitter feed pretty significantly. And it looked like the conversations were very encouraging. In fact, gynecologic cancer social media did their tweet chat the day before. And that's the other one I want to look at. So the nice thing about Twitter is you run these chats in real time but then someone can, like me, who missed it, can actually go back, put in the hashtag on Twitter, and see the entire stream from the chat, and actually still comment and, and provide my two cents even after the fact. How big is Twitter with oncology right now? Well, I think what you're seeing is um, a subgroup, a small subgroup of folks who have adopted this uh, channel um, and have sort of found a way to make it work for them. Uh, and I would probably estimate that as no larger than 15%, probably even less than all of the oncologists in the country. Um, so it's still very small. Um, uh, but, you know, among us, and we seem to know each other via the social media channels. I can tell you that it's uh, it's an incredibly productive relationship that's been developed on Twitter, and the conversations that we have are not isolated just to those of us who have an MD in our name. It's it's a huge community, and I think that's the power of social media. Uh, that I think if everyone understood or sort of got a better flavor for it that it's not this wild, wild west concept that they have absolutely no control over, but something that can be very worthwhile if you strategic, strategically look at it in a professional way. I see a lot of exchange of information, of data, of findings. Yes, yes. In fact, most of our um, top tier oncology journals right now have social media editors. So, um, JCO, General Journal of Clinical Oncology, has married Jennifer Markham as a social media editor. Journal of Oncology Practice employs Deanna Atai as the social media editor. I mean, this is something that's actually um, making its way forward 
into the academic literature. New England Journal of Medicine has a beautiful Twitter presence, and even the journal, The Oncologist, has just asked me to be their social media editor, so I'll probably start doing that as well. And you know, the challenge is how to take an article that's very dense and written for a professional, um, academically inclined um, audience and distill it into a tweet, maybe with an infographic, and what's the bottom line you want people to take away from it and then you know the whole point is to make it accessible but also to make it accurate and understandable and that's very difficult to do but it's one of the skills that I think I've, I've come away with by being on Twitter. For this kind of exchange Twitter seems to be among oncologists mm-hmm. and correct me if I'm wrong the platform of choice. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, I think that's true. I think Twitter is a platform of choice among American oncologists. It certainly is for a couple of reasons. One is it really lends itself to um, real-time conversation. So you could be sitting at home missing a meeting, and one of your colleagues may be sitting in that hall tweeting the presentation. And it's as if you're right there. But the benefit is you could have a conversation about the emerging data in real time and not feel like you're disrupting the presentation itself because this conversation is happening online and it's also being you know um, it's reaching a a much larger audience than just your peers and you can see uh, you know patients or advocates or even policymakers following this this chat and I think that's what makes it so um, uh, it makes it work, you know, for us. Now, Facebook is probably uh, could catch up with that because they have the Facebook Live feature, but that really requires some coordination with the sponsoring organizations or, you know, even the institution to adopt that technology and open up their feed and really um, uh, try to do that aspect of it. And it requires the viewers to have a Facebook account. So in Twitter, you don't have to actually sign up for an account to see the tweets. So in that way... More accessible. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's publicly available. Once those tweets are there, they're read by, they can be read by everyone. And they don't disappear, which is one of the issues with forums like Snapchat, which is you know a little video. It disappears in 24 hours. You know That's a little bit of a harder technology to understand how to use it professionally. So I think, you know, in those ways, Twitter does lend itself to being the preferred platform. Now, you said there is a relatively small percentage of oncologists Mm -hmm. on social media actively. Why and how can you um, get more to participate? Well, I mean, I think for for my colleagues, you know, we hear the same um, concerns expressed in various forums, you know, we are already seeing, you know, if we're doing clinical medicine, we have up to four, even five clinical sessions a week. And those sessions never run, you know, eight to five. Usually they start earlier and then later. Then you put on top of that the communications roles we play in our professional lives, whether that be email or it could be answering the phone, or it could be something as simple as opening your mail. That's another two or three hours out of your day. So then you try to tell people or trying to convince people to adopt a new technology, 
and to incorporate that into their daily lives, I think people get a sense that in, in a 24-hour span, I'm already giving 12 hours to my professional life. Do I really want to yield anything more? So it's work. That's the problem. This is work for people, and it's not anything enjoyable. And for academic oncologists, it's also wasted time. It's not a grant, so you can't put that on your CV. Mm -hmm. It's not a paper. You can't put that on your CV. You can't even put on your CV how many impressions a specific tweet meant because all of these social media um, statistics work in a marketing world but it doesn't work in an academic world. So creating that buy-in is very challenging, and I think it's, it's, it's understandable. So I think what we need to do is try to answer the value or a question, what's in it for me? Not in terms of, you know, will it make me richer? Will I get a raise if I do all this? But what is in it for me? Because I think people need to see that their voice actually is important. And we know the data says it is important, but that's more global. How do we make these global statistics relevant for the individual? That's the challenge. Tell us about Cosmo. (laughs) So to meet that challenge, there's been a group of us who've been working together for several years, and we've written papers on, you know, how to do social media, things to think about when you do social media, you know, guidance, you know, papers on on how to do it. We worked with societies like the American Society of Clinical Oncology to give practical tips. Um, and we're calling ourselves a collaboration for outcomes with, with social media in oncology or Cosmo. And it's again, it's to provide that you know practical guidance. It's to conduct um, research using social media as big data in a responsible way and just really pushing the boundaries of what what kind of questions can you ask with social media. And then fourth is to really understand the professional hesitation and address them with evidence that these are your hesitations, this is the data that says this is worthwhile. So that data doesn't exist, this sort of evidence basis that helps prompt behavior change in medicine is the lens we want to take to social media. And it's not all social media. We're looking at really, you know, because so many of us met on Twitter, we really want to exploit the Twitter database and see what we can do, learn, and move forward with. And hopefully it can extend to other things that are that are becoming available today and maybe even tomorrow. But I think the goal of what we're trying to do is to really create the value argument. You know, and quite frankly, I think it's going to rely on physicians taking a huge step back. And I mean, physicians, healthcare providers, you know, nurses, and the advanced practice providers, taking that step back and recognizing that your role as an oncology professional can be more than taking care of the patient right in front of you. That there is a world looking for real voices, authoritative voices, to look at all of this data online and provide commentary on whether or not it's something you can trust, what to ask your doctor next, where's the movement of this of this field going, and you know, to really comment on what do we think of these next best drugs that are coming out right now. 
that's the voice that people want on Twitter, even though they don't need us to find the data. Thanks to Dr. Don Dizon for sharing his insights and perspective on social media in oncology. We hope you'll join us next time for an update on the latest cancer news here on Cancer Docs Talk.